Welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Lauren Evans. And I'm Virginia Allen. Virginia, you have a new governor. Yes, I do. (laughs) Virginia and Virginia has a new governor. It's a really exciting day. Yes. It's a big day in the state of Virginia and for me personally. Yeah, you, Virginia. And my state. I, I can't believe, like... The thoughtfulness of all the candidates just running to be your governor. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a big deal. So <laughs> it was a, a big night, Tuesday night in Virginia. We're going to dive into this a little bit more. Uh, Mary Margaret is back in studio with us. Thanks, Mary Margaret, for being here to talk about the election and Hello. all the craziness around Virginia. But wow. Wow. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't expect so many things that happened on Tuesday night. I did not expect. Oh, I know. I know. I think we all thought, oh, this is so great. We're seeing so much red. This is looking really hopeful for Youngkin. But then when it actually happened, I was just in shock. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, no. I think I was trying to really keep all my expectations right. Low, 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 low. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yesterday it was like three o'clock. I was at my desk and it just like hit me. I was like. Ugh. That, like, feeling or something, like, oh, no, it's here. Like, it's happening. It's happening. But then, like, it's slowly. I was on my couch, like, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock. Okay, it's happening. Okay, 9 o'clock, it's happening. At midnight, I'm, like, going crazy alone in my living room being like, yeah. And then the New Jersey news was coming out. It was just, oh, I was nuts. I I think I went to bed with a smile on my face and woke up with a smile on my face. There might have only been, like, four hours between those two. I know. There weren't a lot of hours of sleep. All right. Well, we're going to dive more into what happened last night and why it's significant, why it's a big deal. But Lauren, give us the rundown. What do we have queued up on today's show? Up on today's Problematic Women, we talk about why the Virginia gubernatorial election is a big deal for the entire country. Plus, there are new developments in the rape case that took place in a Loudoun County public school. We tell you what you need to know. And the Atlanta Braves won the World Series. Just months after the MLB moved the All-Star game out of Atlanta over an election integrity bill. And as always, we'll be crowning our Problematic Woman of the Week. Each week on Problematic Women, we sort through the news to find stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women, those whose views and opinions are often excluded by those on the so-called feminist left. If you are a problematic woman or just someone who supports strong, independent women, please consider supporting us by leaving a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and encouraging others to subscribe really does make a difference. All right, let's get to it. On Tuesday, the people of Virginia selected Republican Glenn Youngkin to be their next governor. Youngkin faced off against Democrat Terry McAuliffe, who previously served as Virginia's governor from 2014 to 2018. So why was this state election in Virginia such a big deal? Vice President Kamala Harris answered that question for us uh, when she was on the campaign trail for McAuliffe. Take a listen. Because you see, what happens in Virginia will in large part determine what happens in 2022, 2024, and on. So if Harris is right, then America may be choosing more conservative candidates to lead in 2022 and 2024. Virginia has been turning bluer and bluer for a while now. Their last two governors have been Democrats, and the state overwhelmingly went for Biden in the 2020 election. 
So the question is, what happened? Why why did a state like Virginia not only vote to now elect a conservative governor on Tuesday, but also a conservative lieutenant governor and maybe even a conservative attorney general? We're still waiting uh, on the final results of that race. And uh, really, I think one of the big answers, it comes down to the topic of education. Yeah, Mm -hmm, 100%. Yeah, I think it comes down to what we talk about on the show every week is that the Democrats just have no idea what they're doing with messaging. It all started when Terry McAuliffe in a debate said that, no, parents don't have a right to their child's education. It comes down to the teachers. And parents, I think that like made their ears perk up and they're like, what? (laughs) And if the Democrats had any sense within them, they would have said, oh, wow, this is a really bad messaging strategy. Mm -hmm. And they would have said, oh, no, that's not what we meant. No, they doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on this message of that they know what's best for your kids. All the while, the stuff is happening in Loudoun County where they're showing that they're covering up rape cases and this crazy CRT stuff going down. So I think it really was parents just flabbergasted Mm -hmm. that they were saying this one thing that was insane and they were doing another thing which was insane. And, and yeah, I'm glad that they finally stood up and said, this is enough. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen this growing rebellion of parents across the country for maybe a year now. And throughout the pandemic, their kids weren't getting taught mm-hmm. in school. They couldn't be in school or they had masks on. And so for months now, parents have been rebelling against CRT, against COVID policies, against progressive sex education. And Democrats just seem to think that it would all go away mm-hmm. just by saying, oh, no, critical race theory isn't a thing or we're not actually teaching that or no your children should learn about sexual politics gender and ideological content like that and parents had enough i mean yeah. lauren and i went out to loudon county on what was it tuesday night monday night monday night it was I monday night i don't know what night. day it is anymore <laughs> we waited 50 minutes to get into this rally it, wow. was it was insane we sat in the car for so long i thought about taking pictures of the line just because it was so <laughs> it was so depressing i was like we're never gonna get in yeah but we did and all these parents and families there told us why they were voting for yunkin which is because yunkin cares about education he cares about giving parents a voice he cares about school choice and all of these things families care about a lot. And McAuliffe not only wasn't offering those things, he was saying the opposite. He was saying parents don't belong in the classroom. And and now we're seeing this parent-led rebellion that resulted in Governor Youngkin. Mm-hmm. It really highlights how out of touch I think we often see the far left is with the average American, with what parents are actually concerned about. And Youngkin picked up on the fact that education is a really big deal for families all across Virginia. And he put his his focus on that, on explaining how he would lead as a governor in the area of education. Um, and wild to see not only, Mary Margaret, like you said, not only did did the left kind of abandon that issue, they were just in denial over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the rally that we went to was diverse, lots of ages, lots of genders, well, Lots of gender service, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <Lord>. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like it was just it, there was not one type of person that was there. It was a lot of people who were upset. And it really is showing that uh, and, and rightfully and thankfully so this argument of like, oh, if you don't believe in CRT, you're a racist. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you don't believe in this, you know, trans, everybody can use whatever bathroom they want. Da, da, da. You're a transphobe, homophobe, bigot. And 
parents finally kind of opened their eyes and like, no, these are our kids. Mm -hmm. Like, you can use any word that you want to call me, but I see what you're doing and I'm calling you out. And there's power in numbers. And that's what it showed last night. Yeah. I haven't seen the reaction from the left being like, oh, let's learn our lesson and do things better. (laughs) They're literally (laughs) tripling down on this. And part of me is really happy because... I would love to see more conservative candidates win in 22 and 2024. But the other part of me is just like, what are they thinking? I know that part of the reason Youngkin won this election is because Democrats leaned into phrases like saying that Youngkin was uh, using uh, racist dog whistles by condemning CRT. They said that he was being racist. But parents knew what the reality was there. They knew that he wasn't being racist. They knew he was just criticizing critical race theory. But then the left kept calling it racism, racist dog whistles. And then we saw last night on MSNBC after Youngkin was declared the victor, they're still using this racist dog whistle metaphor. It's like they they learned nothing. Nothing. <laughs> they learned nothing. And like, yeah, I just, it's so frustrating, but it's also really inspiring that people are waking up and that I think that's why we all woke up with smiles on our face of like, mm-hmm. yes, like we, we've been calling this out. And we, we call it out so many times that sometimes on, on Problematic Women here, we're even like, you know, we talked about this last week and the week before and the <laughs> week before. And we but it's so important to keep this drum beat up because people are are getting it and, oh. and people, you know, are really understanding why it's so important to protect the true history of our nation and why it's really important to know that women are women and are great and have an important role in our society and that, you know, people coming together is so important. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think there's actually more unity coming out of it. I mean, in a state like Virginia, it is a swing state. Uh, It went for Joe Biden in the 2020 election by uh, 10 percent. And then the past two governors of Virginia have been Democrats. So to see uh, a state that for so long has been going blue, all of a sudden really unify around the issue of education and wanting to protect kids. It's exciting to see, and it certainly gives me gives me hope for the future of our country and the future of our school system. And the future of Virginia. Both Virginia the state. <laughs> Both Virginia. And Virginia Allen. <laughs> I feel great. Yeah, at, so. two, at 2 a.m. that joke was very funny. It was actually very funny. I saw Virginia tweet about Virginia and I was, you know, a little delirious at 2.30 in the morning and I was like, oh, it's Virginia, Virginia. <laughs> the number of times people have asked me like, oh, your name's Virginia and you live in Virginia. I'm like. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a family name for the record. <laughs> All right. Actually, well. when she started Heritage, her name was Natalie, and she changed her name. <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> Don't believe anything Lauren says. <laughs> All right. Well, stay tuned because up next, we bring you the latest update on a sexual assault case in Loudoun County, Virginia, involving a guy wearing a skirt. But before we get to that conversation, a quick question for all of you. Do you need a job? If yes, then you need to sign up for the Heritage Foundation Job Bank. The Heritage Job Bank connects conservatives of all career levels to jobs with conservative employers all over the country, and it's free. If you sign up, the Job Bank will send you new job openings every week and invite you to their virtual job fairs and career seminars. The Job Bank team also offers one-on-one career consultations. Signing up is super easy. Just visit heritage.org slash job bank and click on register today.
So you all may remember this story. Uh, this past spring, there was a, a man wearing a skirt who entered a women's bathroom in a Loudoun County public school. Loudoun County is located just right outside Washington, D.C. Um, and then uh, this 15-year-old boy proceeded to rape a ninth-grade girl in that bathroom. So the update this week is that the Daily Mail interviewed his mom. His mom says that he does not identify as a woman. And he, the mom also said, quote, unquote, her son is just a 15-year-old boy that wanted to have sex in a bathroom, which. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting perspective there. Um, but I think it, it it's almost become this. Uh, argument around uh, the transgender issue, which, of course, is a part of this debate. But uh, some people are are implying like, oh, we shouldn't be having any sort of debate or conversation about this because he's not transgender and he identifies as a man. But if a male student wore a skirt and used that to to his advantage in order to gain access to a women's bathroom, that's... That's the epitome of the problem with policies that allow biological men who identify as women, who say they identify as women, to enter female bathrooms. When we have these debates over these policies, we're not claiming that transgender individuals are are more dangerous or more likely to, to rape other people. Not at all. What we're saying is that this is a situation that people like this young man can take advantage of. Right, and there's two very serious problems here with these moms, this mom's comments, which I think liberal media is using to their advantage. They're first saying that this story is not about transgender bathrooms, so they're trying to act like it was a fraud the whole time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about transgender bathrooms. Conservatives overhyped this. And the second thing is the mom and liberal media is trying to make it about consent. So this mom in the in the quote Lauren just read, she says. He's a 15-year-old boy that wanted to have sex in the bathroom with someone that was willing, Mm -hmm. which (laughs) she's trying to imply here that the girl herself was willing initially. And as she explains later, the girl initially was willing. So that should explain why they were in this situation in the first place. And she goes on to say that the girl was okay with it, tries to blur the line with uh, consent here. So. There's a lot of uh, seemingly manipulative language that we're hearing about this assault case. And the New York Times, they actually wrote a piece about this with the headline, The Right's Big Lie About a Sexual Assault in Virginia. Well, the the big lie that they really claim, Mary Margaret, is like you said, is this, uh, this idea of, okay, what was the relationship between the guy and the girl? That piece doesn't go as far to say that, that the girl was consenting, but they say that uh, new information has come out that this guy and girl had had sexual relations in the past. So they knew one another and they actually had kind of arranged to plan to meet up in a bathroom. The girl only wanted to talk. The guy wanted to have sex and he didn't take no for an answer. Um, and it's like, OK, where like where's the big lie here? There's no big lie. Right. It's this serious, is wrong. Yeah, it's serious gaslighting. Yeah. They're saying they know people see the big lie and, you know, someone that's not feeling very motivated to read the news is just going to think, oh, it was all a lie. And they're just going to dismiss it. And they're gaslighting the American public by not acknowledging, actually, this girl still was raped by a young boy in her school bathroom. It doesn't matter whether she initially engaged in sexual relationship with him. He still raped her in a bathroom mm-hmm. and the school still covered it up. And then he went to another school where he sexually assaulted another girl. 
And this fires me up. Like this, like legit makes me stay up at night fired up because every show we start, the hypocrisy of the feminist left, right? I remember the Kavanaugh rallies. I was there. I was when this guy was not supposed to be a Supreme Court justice, not even have his day, you know, not even have the vote because 30 years ago, this one woman said there's no evidence. Right. And it was this huge thing. I saw women in droves on Capitol Hill laying on the the ground, getting arrested, screaming in costumes. This is a 15 year old girl Mm -hmm. within 20 miles of where we're sitting right now has a allegation that's backed up by a rape kit and the left just wants to push her out of the way because it doesn't fit their narrative. Yeah. Well, and the judge now has already uh, convicted yeah. this right? guy. Yeah. There's just a massive mountain of evidence. Meanwhile, with Christine Blasey Ford, I could talk about this for hours. Yeah. I get very worked <laughs> up about it. With Christine Blasey Ford, she couldn't remember where it happened, when it happened, precisely who was there. She didn't even have enough people backing her up on it. But we've seen this so many times. We saw this when Tara Reid accused Joe Biden of sexually mm-hmm. assaulting her. Nobody wanted to believe her. Everyone ignored her until conservative media kind of made people acknowledge her story. We saw this with uh, Andrew Cuomo's accusers. Until it was fashionable to dislike Andrew Cuomo, nobody paid any attention to all the women accusing him of sexual assault. It's just the whole believe all women slogan. It's a farce. They yeah. don't believe all women. They just believe the women they want to. The it's left uses women mm-hmm. and they do that with every identity group that they try to build up and then they use them. And then when they're not there to serve their purpose, they push them off to the side. And the fact that this 15 year old girl is the one who has to suffer the consequences, uh, it just it should make you right now, if you're sitting in your car, at your house, wherever you, you should feel icky inside because this is happening. And all to do what? To push these weird, radical gender policies to children? It just it, – none of it makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a really important part of the story is that uh, during the time when the school board was covering up these allegations in this story, the school board was also trying to put in place a transgender bathroom policy which would allow biological males in the women's restrooms. So this story was coming at a very inconvenient time and they mm-hmm. chose to cover it up. Which is just, at the end of the day, base ideological motivation at the expense of a child, a young girl, and this assault on her. Yeah. Now, we have to always be pursuing, okay, what's what's actually the truth here? What's really going on? And then be willing to, to expose it, to speak out about it, to be bold. Because like we've seen, the mainstream media, they won't speak out about it unless it's convenient for them, for their narrative. And to go back to what we were just talking about. The chickens are coming home to roost. The left is being exposed. So we just got to stay on it. You got to keep finding the truth, keep exposing the truth. And I don't mean that in some sort of like crazy conspiracy way. There's not some like deep Internet truth out there. But read read sources that are trusted. Don't just read these New York Times headlines because that's the problem. That's mm-hmm. the problem that people are just getting the surface level information and the left has been getting away from it. But people are are I don't want to even use the term waking up because it's such a conspiracy term, but people are finally understanding it's clicking that, oh, wow, like, no, like, we as a country are better than this. And it's it's really exciting, even though you, I still do have that icky feeling, at least I can kind of see a little glimmer of hope at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's your sense of justice, Lauren. That's healthy. It's yes. good. Yes, minding our mate. Exactly. <laughs> Go save the world. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to a little bit of good news. The Atlanta Braves won the World Series Tuesday night. And there was plenty going on Tuesday night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, they defeated the Houston Astros in the sixth game of the World Series with a score of 7-0. to zero. It was 
total blowout. And this is actually the first time in 26 years that the Braves have won the World Series. As a Red Sox fan, I was a little bit sad that my team was not in the World Series. <laughs> Go Sox. Uh, <laughs> yay! That this game, it had significance, especially in a political sense. Yeah, it was cosmic justice. <laughs> it really was. I mean, I think that's why we're just all so happy today, right? Like, and tired, but happy. Yes, tired, but happy. That's almost like what this show should be called. <laughs> Problematic women. Yeah, call them tired, tired but, but happy. happy. <laughs> but I think we all remember that the MLB was supposed to have their all-star game in Atlanta, and that's a big deal because it's a big game. You get the biggest stars. You bring a lot of commerce to your state. But on the left, as they do, Georgia was trying to pass after the 2020 election, some election integrity bills that, as we say here at Heritage, that makes it easier to vote, harder to cheat. But, of course, the left totally misconstrued it, made a big deal in the press, and they moved the game Mm -hmm. from Atlanta to Colorado, which the only people harmed by that, I mean, the baseball players still got to play. The American people got to watch the game. It was the businesses in Atlanta that were harmed by it. But so... The fact that the MLB had no choice <laughs> but to have these games, and it went all the way to Game Six, right? Yeah. So it went all the way to it didn't go to Game Seven. That would only the only thing that would make it a little bit better. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure Braves fans were happy to get catch the series. But you know they got to have three games in their hometown and get all that business, and there was nothing the MLB could do about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was a pretty pretty sweet ending to quite the saga between the MLB and Georgia. And uh, I think, you know, it's it's wild. Like you said, Lauren, it's so encouraging to see that, OK, they, they got some of that business back. The uh, the Job Creators Network says that probably moving the All-Star game may have cost Atlanta businesses about $100 million in, in <sighs> revenue. And that's a massive hit. So it's awesome to see, okay, they, they got their day in the sun, they got their limelight, and, and got so much of that revenue return that they lost. Don't you love how the left calls things racist when they don't like them? Yes. <laughs> it's just easy, yeah. This Slap election bill on. is racist because Boom. it requires voter ID laws. <laughs> or it strengthens them. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> if it's not racist, it's homophobic. And right. If it's not homophobic, then it's sexist. Or transphobic. Transphobic. Yeah. And if it's none of those things, then yeah, yeah, it does not compute, right? Like it's, it has to be one of those labels. <laughs> well, I have to say, as as a New Englander, uh, <laughs> I, I, I have to bring this back because this whole situation got me thinking about uh, 2017 when uh, Roger Goodell. This is going somewhere. (laughs) So Tom Brady was suspended (laughs) from the first. The goat was suspended from the first four games of the season over Deflate Gate. He may have been involved in deflating some footballs. We we don't know. Thanks, Mary Margaret. Stay strong. (laughs) I still have the T-shirt. And then uh, Brady comes back, goes on to win the Super Bowl, and the commissioner of the NFL who suspended Brady for, from those first four games has to hand Brady the Lombardi trophy. <laughs> and it was this awesome moment of justice. irony and justice. And I was like, this is exactly what is happening yes. in Atlanta, <laughs> and it's fantastic. love it. <laughs> I love that. Uh, uh, all right. Well, stay with us because up next we crown our Problematic Woman of the Week. It's 
It's because of support from listeners like you that we can continue to produce podcasts like Heritage Explains and SCOTUS 101. And you can help us keep it up by going to www.heritage.org slash podcast today to make your tax-deductible gift. Now, it is that time once again, my favorite time of the week, time to crown our Problematic Woman of the Week. And the crown goes to... Virginia Lieutenant Governor-Elect Winsome Sears. So Winsome Sears is a Republican. She, I think, flew pretty much under the radar. The whole race was really just Youngkin and McAuliffe. She is a former Marine, born in Jamaica. In 2002, she became the first Republican elected from a majority black legislative district since 1865. And she remains the only black Republican woman to serve in the Virginia House of Delegates. Let's take a listen to a few highlights from her victory speech Tuesday night per Fox News. What you are looking at is the American dream. I am not even first generation American. When I joined the Marine Corps, I was still a Jamaican. But this country had done so much for me. I was willing, willing to die for this country. It's a historic night. Yes, it is. But I didn't run to make history. I just wanted to leave it better than I found it. So good. Uh, she did an interview with Fox. And when they asked her, um, you know, how, how did you do it? How did how did you win? Her first response was, well, it was a God thing. It's like, mm. that's so cool. Mm. So great. <laughs> Love it. Well, I think it goes back to the theme of the show of cosmic justice, right? Because... The first thing when they called the ele- – they hadn't even called it, right? And the left was like on Twitter, like, racist, racist. It's because everybody in Virginia is racist. <laughs> and then you have, you know, this wonderful woman come up and was like, yeah. no, like they they elected me. <laughs> and, it, I mean, you don't want to make it about her race because we don't ask conservatives, right? It's we voted for the best candidates. We voted for the ones that we agree with. And, and she's very qualified and, and very inspiring. But – it, there is just something that makes you kind of smirk a little bit when you see all these keyboard warriors like, oh, yeah. it's Glenn Youngkin is, you know, a racist crime by Virginia's <laughs> and they're all in their jean jackets with their Confederate flag patches. And then this this woman gets up and it just destroys their entire narrative. One of my friends, uh, J.P. Hassan, tweeted a great little, great little one liner last night. It was a side by side of Ralph Northam with blackface on and then Winsome Sears holding a massive gun. Oh, I saw <laughs> that. He was, he, I can't remember what his caption was, but it was something to the effect of, like, then and now. And it was <laughs> so great. Such a great contrast. Well, and I just learned about her that um, she got her master's degree from my alma mater, Regent University. Oh, which, wow. Yeah. So I'm like, well, now we're going to be BFFs. Wow. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe one day we'll get her on the podcast. We'll that see. That would be great. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll work on that. We'll work on we'll, that. We'll, 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 yeah, we'll try. Since you have it in, you're Virginia. Oh, yeah, you live yeah, in Virginia. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, yeah. yeah, just, just email her that. <laughs> Hi, my name is Virginia, and I live in Virginia. Let's chat. <laughs> Come on my podcast. <laughs> well, what a fun time, you ladies, and what a great day here in Virginia, but also for the United States. Absolutely. And with that, 
that's going to be it for this week's edition of Problematic Women. Join us next Thursday morning for a brand new edition. In the meantime, please subscribe and share. Conservatives need your support in the podcast world, so we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you do listen. It makes such a huge difference. I don't have to tell you because it's already a great week, but go out and make it even better. Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal, produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. Special thanks to our editor-in-chief, Katrina Trinko. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.